0: Nation here, Brent Gunning, Gord Stelic alongside me. Busy, busy show coming up. Shane O'Brien, former NHL co-host of the Missing Curfew podcast, going to join us a little later on, but right now, former host of Leafs Nation, Mark Savard. Mark, I'm here with your former partner, Gordo. I'm just going to get out of the way and let, let you two guys reminisce about the wonderful times you had together, and I'm so happy to be keeping what was your seat warm. How are you doing, Savvy?
1: I'm great. Yeah, that was a great run in time, and uh, uh, I really miss my buddy Gord.
2: Well, you know, Brent, and uh, I got to tell you, man, it was one year, but what a great friendship we had in one year. Um, savvy had in, had no parallel picking things out. That's why I knew he'd be a great coach because he picked things off, whether live or on the monitor that were on, like he really did really did. And then the whole taping twigs thing about the detail about everyone's sticks, but I gotta, I gotta tell you, Brent. So uh, the wonderful thing about savvy, I don't think I could have lasted another year. I don't think my health could have taken another year with savvy (laughs) about all the different things I did. And so one time before a game, we go on a walk down by on Spadina Avenue and we go to a mystery place and it's a cigar bar and there's a mystery door room up there and it's like the bat cave and in the back there and sa- <laughs> savvy savvy knows the password and we're in there aren't we savvy like before we go down to air canada center like like smoking smoking cigars like whatever and uh, anyway it was a uh, it was a lot of fun about we we uh we, we worked hard and we played hard and it was a real real fun year
1: yeah it was no i i remember that place yeah i still get cigars from there but uh I think Elliot's taken over that stomping grounds too from me, but no, that was a fun time for sure. Well,
2: that's right because then we came back out, Brandon. We saw Elliot wandering the street on his walk, and I told him we told him where he'd been, and then he goes, "Where is that place?" So I guess I guess he uh, I guess he stuck it out, and uh, you know, just first, Mark is head coach of the Windsor Spitfires. Um, I know we talked before you interviewed for another OHL job before you did the media thing and then assistant coach of the St. Louis blues. This is something that you really always had in your blood. You always had an affinity about uh, coaching a junior team. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, So far, a successful start with the Windsor Spitfires. Uh, How did it come about and what's it been like so far savvy?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's been fantastic to be honest. Um, It just had happened really quick. I guess uh, you can say it was, uh, I guess in August last year, Uh, uh, beginning of the year, uh, Trevor Lutowski took the job with the Montreal Canadiens and left Windsor without a coach, so one of my best friends lives down there, you know, Daryl Downer, so I was able to, uh, you know, I I knew the area, I really liked Windsor, I've been going down there for the last 10 years with my family, so I put my name in the hat, and sure enough, uh, met with the general manager, Bill Bowler, and everything's been, you know, first class ever since, and we hit it off right away, kind of like me and you did, Gord. so I had a good feeling about it, and, uh, here I am today, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of learning lesson early, but I think uh, the guys are catching on, and, and I think we've got a good team in Windsor.
0: Yeah, and I, I hope you do because, you know, Savvy, I, I was working at the fan, didn't get to cross paths with you too many times, but I feel a, a big connection to you in two ways. One, I went to school down in Windsor. It's a city near and dear to my heart. I was there when Taylor Hall and the boys were winning a couple Memorial Cups, so it's always a a, a franchise I have an affinity for, so I, I'm thrilled to see that you've got them on track uh, in, in a good way now. And then, you know, my own chance for a little story for you here. I remember I'm producing Hockey Central at noon one day, and you 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 could not know this but you endeared yourself so much to me because we're getting ready to do a hockey show it's the middle of April and I am addicted to golf as much as anyone well other than you apparently savvy because you come charging into the studio with a tailor-made driver in your hands and you're going Connors is in the mix we got to talk about the Masters here and I I already loved your work but when I when I heard you charging him like that one day I knew I was uh, I was going to enjoy working with you so uh, I just got to say head coach a Windsor and uh, loving golf the way you do uh, I, you got a big fan in me
1: yeah thanks no I know I love the game of golf that's for sure and and Windsor I I, I left there about three days ago I'm back home in Peterborough for, for Christmas but I could have golfed the day I left it's so so nice down there still so yeah no I'm a huge golf fan and this hockey thing's taken over a little bit again but but I still love it when I get the opportunity that's for sure
2: yeah, and the the irons you got me have helped my golf game uh, getting down to about 140. Savvy, so I appreciate that. It's working out, working out great. You know, it's the last couple of years, mental health has become such a big issue. About a lot of people talking about long, long overdue, and like you're you're a happy-go-lucky guy, but your journey. Uh, ending your NHL career. And you talked about when you got to go back to Boston and ring that bell, how important that was. Because, I mean, here you are, this personable guy, and you had this, this, this dark era for a number of years You've got the Project 91 um, uh, project going. I know, uh, so Brent, Savvy kidded that the sweatshirts that his wife put two, two together for me. So I got Project 9911 because it's uh, <laughs> the only one that fit me. But, you know, about concussions and other things. And, and it must be refreshing to see that being embraced because that's a journey I don't think enough people know about. And you have to be pleased to be able to get where you are today, given where you were at one point.
1: Yeah, for sure. We've talked about it many times. Uh, It's been a long journey and, and, you know, I didn't really foresee myself getting back to this point, you know, where I was, you know, probably, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So uh, it's been a whirlwind, but again, you know, we've been able to to learn a lot and do a lot for concussion research along the way, as you're saying, Project 91. Um, It's been an amazing thing and it's been a lot of fun. And and the guy's down in Windsor have taken over kind of that project for me and you know, I worked through them and, and it's been great and still raising money for that, that, that awareness of, of concussions. And, you know, for me, it's, a, and coaching again and, you know, watching guys, you know, on my own team get banged up some nights, it makes it really tough for, for me to, you know, put them back on the ice and, and then, you know, make not make sure that they're, they're okay first as a, as a human, than than a hockey player. So that's something I've really, uh, done this year you know i know a couple times a couple guys on my team wanted to get back out there and i, I would hold them off because of uh you know there's there's underlying issues and stuff that happens with, with your head that you don't want to take a chance on so um i'm glad that i'm you know i, I know a little more than i did back then but you know things have changed and and, it's, and i'm really enjoying life and, and i started back you know with you doing the doing the hockey and leafs nation and then you know and then circling back around the coaching which i've always wanted to do you knew that and and being back in junior hockey. The NHL was one thing, but you said it earlier, I wanted to be a head coach in and junior, and, and that's where I am right now, and I'm really enjoying it. The kids are learning a lot, and we're having a lot of fun. Obviously, you know I'm a player's coach, and we've had a riot at most times. And it's tough when you're losing early. It was really tough, and just it takes a while for people to believe and trust. You can't expect that trust right away, and I think the guys are really believing and starting to trust because you know, when you draw something up and it goes right into play, and, and whether you score off it or or defend something off it, you know, they, that's how you keep gaining trust and I think the guys have seen that the work that we're doing, myself with my coaching staff is, is really working and, and it's paying off.
0: Have you, have you noticed, you know, talking about concussions there, have you noticed a change at all in, in the game? In the It felt like, I don't know, maybe five or so years ago it felt like every single day if we were doing a hockey show like this, we'd be sitting here going, okay, here's a hit from last night. Was it inbounds? Was it out of bounds? Even if it was quote-unquote legal, should a player have, have taken advantage of a player in a vulnerable position? Like, do you think the game's moved to a point where you know, this is not a soft game. It's not a game that's lost contact by any means but do you think that they're that players have kind of taken the onus to protect each other a little bit more and you know that goes from the ohl potentially all the way up to the nhl have you noticed a change and if you have are we there are we where we need to be or do, does the game need to move a little to a little bit of a safer direction
1: um i i think the game's in a, going in a good direction you know we, we keep trying to tinker with it and i think it's it's actually going in a great direction you know, ever since my injury, and then, and then, you know, there's been a couple along the way, and they've really, you know, been, it's been magnified, so, so guys are aware, and, and I think player safety, who takes a lot of heat in the NHL, has done a great job, and that's why we're at where we're at today. There's not as many hits like this. You're not seeing them as often, and and I think, you know, the, the suspensions that come about are, are, are going to keep getting larger, and, and, and then it'll just totally, you know, shut the whole kind of uh, headshot. Stuff down, but uh, junior hockey, you know, and and even in the NHL now, you notice that you know, whether it's a, if it's a hard hit, you know, they're going to have to answer the bell too. And then I think players have taken that that on themselves, you know. And I've seen it a lot in junior hockey, whether it's even clean or not, um, you know, they want to they want to stick up for their teammates teammates and get in there and and um, help the guy out that got uh, got hit. So uh, I think a bit of policing on the ice is still there a little bit. But again, the, I think player safety in the NHL has come a long way, and we're seeing good strides.
2: So, Savvy, you're a skilled center, and uh, I know this guy went 23rd overall to the Dallas Stars, and I had an agent that texted me said, wow, that that's awesome, went a little higher than projected, and uh, it's the one guy, uh, our son, Justin Stellick, who's 18, knows. He's a great kid, Wyatt Johnston, and uh, you would love to have more great kids like Wyatt Johnston, I think, on your team right now. So talk about the first-round pick of the Dallas Stars playing in Windsor.
1: Oh, just... It's been a real treat to coach him. He's uh, he's uh, an amazing uh, hockey player. And both ends of the rink, which is incredible. I I laugh, Gord, because I, I say that, you know, when I put Wyatt Johnson on the ice, I can go sit in my coach's office because I know nothing bad is going to happen. So, uh, But, no, he's been fabulous. And I, I feel really bad for him not making the World Juniors because, to me, and I, I say this sincerely, that, that since what I've seen this year, and I haven't seen the East, so... I can't say that far, but he's been the best center in the Ontario Hockey League, hands down. And I'm glad he's part of the Windsor Spitfires.
0: Yeah, it does kind of do something for your team to have those those high high-end guys and you know, you we we talk about the world juniors, the U20s, what a what a special experience it can be for your team and you know, I know you would want your guy to have that experience, but you can't be too too upset that he's going to be able to uh, stick around with you because we know the schedule does uh, over overlap a little bit there. So I, you know, as as upset as you are for him, uh, you know, obviously you don't you don't have to worry about uh, not having him in your lineup now. Yeah, you
1: know, I I never want to take something like that away from anybody. So I I still am a little upset to be honest. I I want him to be there uh, as Will Cooley from, from the Spitfires of Darien, you know, those were two of the guys when they came in at the beginning of the year, that was a goal we kind of put together that they would both play in the world juniors. And um, unfortunately, you know, uh, Wyatt obviously hasn't had that opportunity and, and Will is there. So it will be exciting to watch Will, He's had a fantastic year, and I, I think he's going to play a big role in, in what Canada does. He's he's a very uh, hard guy to play against, and and, he, and I know Canada likes those role players, so he's going to be a, a big part of that team
2: so you know kids today compared to when you were a kid and it wasn't that long ago but also having uh having kids but having a son that's uh um having a solid junior career as well looking showing a lot of promise i mean what's it like young kids in 2021 society and handling them that's of course different from when you were playing junior
1: yeah i'm really proud of my son he's he's done great um he actually got a high ankle sprain there he in the last two games before he got hurt, he had six points. He ended up with four goals and, and two assists. He's really hitting his stride. I think overall he's got about nine points in fourteen games. Not playing a ton of minutes on a good Sioux Greyhounds hockey club, but it, it's it's been tough too. You know, I, I I'm not really there for him obviously because he's up there and and I'm in Windsor, but you know we're able to talk and I'm able to watch most of his games when we're not playing. They play Wednesday nights, which is nice, so I can watch them on the OHL uh, TV or CHL Live, whatever it is. So. Um, but I mean, uh, maybe someday you know, he can come play for me, but that, that's down the road, either here or there. But I'm excited for him. He's, he's done well. Uh, the Sioux Greyhounds, like I said, are a good team. We, we, we're, we're tied with first with them. So we have a good uh, good relationship, and we're going to have a good couple battles when, uh, when we come back to play because we're going up there after Christmas for uh, two games in, in the Sioux, which will be nice, and he'll be back finally because he hasn't played against us. We've played them twice, and he's been injured.
0: Now, Savvy, before I let you go, I have to I have to be honest with you. I think you came up with Now, this is my own unofficial ranking, but I think you came up with the funniest joke in the history of this radio station, Sportsnet Five, 590 the Fan. When you the first time I ever heard you talking about playing triples tennis with Gord Stelic, I have not stopped laughing since. It is arguably the funniest thing I've ever heard of. So, can we just get a scouting report on triples tennis player Gord Stelic? Yes, uh
1: he he brought me over to his tennis uh, place, and I never knew triples tennis was a thing. It's just you don't have to move. You just stand there. So yeah, as long as you set up your your, tre- your threesome in a good situation, you you're, you can win a lot of games and a lot of plotting that goes on, but not a lot of running. Um, but, no, I, I love Gore. We went there, He took me there. I don't know if he told you. And we were playing two of his buddies, um, and we got out there on the court, and he said, you want to serve first? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll serve him. I Haven't played in a while, but I, I, you know, I have a couple high school championships I think back in the back pocket. But That's anyway, right. I got up, and my first serve, I got Gordon square in the back between the shoulders. <laughs> 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 he was facing the other way. Oh, did we ever laugh? You needed to ice that one down all night. It was funny.
2: Well, we had uh, so I mentioned the infamous Teddy Honolulu. So Ted Uwano and his son CJ, right, Mark? We played them doubles, and and it was an epic match. And you were getting you're you're competitive. I early on was nervous and we, it was a little was a little rusty. We got going, but my favorite one was my brief flurry of athleticism. I charged the net and got a volley, so I'm right in the net, and I'm there like a bunch of fish in the net, right? And then all of a sudden, the savvy goes, okay, I, don't worry, stay up there. I'll well, stay up there. I'm wrapped in the net. I ain't going back to get the next shot, the lob, which he did, and I think then killed it for the winner. So it was, uh. it, was, it was, actually, it was a pretty good battle. At the end of it, beyond the triples, I think I did okay in that epic doubles tilt savvy.
1: Yeah, no, you're a good tennis player, Gord. Uh, Your little white shorts there, so I don't miss them. But, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun, that's for sure.
0: I've well, never anyway, been more uh, happy to be on radio and not T V because I know an image of Gord in those white shorts would have popped up on the screen. So I've never been happier well, to uh Well to my just friend Ted
2: radio. Ted's listening, so Ted and C J say hello, give their regards and uh and uh yeah, hey you know, I remember. New, I remember New Year's Eve. I think we called each other eight times, whatever. When you were back in Peterborough, I was at a party, and you kept trying to go to bed and whatever. So, uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, to you and your family, from uh, Brent and I, everybody else, a very merry Christmas and uh, and happy New Year. And we're thrilled for your success, Savvy,
1: and look forward to catching up. Okay, guys, uh, thanks a lot. I listen to you guys all the time. Still, uh, have a have a great uh, Christmas and a New Year. Take care. Thanks for having. Me.
0: There he goes, Mark Savard, head coach of the Windsor Spitfires. Kind of exited the interview like Mike Babcock used to his press conferences. All right, good job uh, listening. Uh, great job. Got to go. I thoroughly I, I enjoyed think, it. I think, uh, there,
2: I think there was a dog in the background. There was a dog I don't even know if he has a dog, has dog so I think, because I know with our dog, Blue, and I know that's Don Cherry's dog's name, so all of a sudden, when, yeah, when you can hear them in the background, they want to go out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, how, what kind of high school champion tennis player Puts his first serve in the back, in, right in the middle of your
0: back. I mean, what school did he go to? Yeah, not a very good one. Not a very good tennis school. As a guy who, uh, who won a couple of uh, silver medals in second division high school doubles tennis myself, I could tell you not a very good one there. Well, uh, there you go. Man. So you know uh, better. I do. I do. I uh, knew better than to wear the short white shorts. I definitely would want no part of seeing my... Uh, <laughs> they weren't my
2: short. They weren't <laughs> short. <laughs> They're white, oh. but they weren't short. You know, uh, we, I remember interviewing Zidane Chára and uh, just, you know, kind of kidding about uh, about Savvy as a teammate, right? Yep. And um like he just said he goes and this is I think what you remember I know Sam remembers Sam actually played hockey we got to bring Sam in on this because Sam played hockey with Savvy Shinny and that but but Zdeno Chara then brought up he goes you know something I can still think about his saucer passes that about him putting the puck right on your stick and if you didn't watch Mark Savard a lot I think people listening here probably did a decent amount that that was something he had really no peer at about his ability to put the beautiful pass so much appreciated by his teammates uh on that stick I don't know if Sam's right I'm sure
3: Sam's right there now but was that what it was like when you played shinny with savvy it was really amazing to play shinny with savvy because you know you I play at the skate at Rennie Park which is near my place down in the west end of Toronto and it, me and my good buddy eric prime who lives in the area as well has always joked that it's the best shinny skate in toronto and you know there's a bunch of really good players that go out there and there's a lot of guys on the ice at all times so it's kind of a you know a free-for-all out there and then you take a guy who was an elite nhl hockey player out there and it's like oh yeah now now i kind of see what it is and there would be you know at one time a 15 guys on the ice playing against each other. There's no really rhyme or reason to what's whatever's going on. And there was this calmness about Savvy and his ability to just saucer a puck through seemingly a hundred sticks voice. Like, I can't explain to you the lanes he would find. It was unbelievable to watch him work. So, yeah, huge beauty. Loved working with him over the... It was a year that we worked together with him. He, uh, amazing shinny player. Put on a show out there. Uh, the guys were... Th- and he was wearing a Joe, one of the
0: old-school Gretzky-Jofa bucket oh. and bright white gloves. So I think you could spot him out there. Sounds like every pass from him was like that, that Carlson to Hoffman uh, pass the playoffs. It truly was. Just like 13-foot-high sauce, <laughs> landing perfectly flat uh, wherever it was uh, he intended it to. Uh, you know, I've, I've said it a thousand times. Gord, of course, you, you as well have been around the game your, your entire life. These guys are so good. Like you cannot take the best person you've ever had the pleasure, and then just multiply it by ten million. Like the the skill level for those guys, and then you take it to another level with a guy like Savvy, who's a skill guy among those guys. It's just uh, it, it's incredible, uh, man. Uh, the reunion tour of your of your former co-host here, well, Gord. This yeah, has been, well, uh, it's been incredible. And, and,
2: and the other caveat with him, and I mentioned it at the start, is when I worked with the Leafs, one of the as best of student of the game as a player was Eddie Olchuk and look what Eddie Olchuk has done since like he was just you'd be around and he'd be watching minutia things and it was interesting to listen to this young guy talk about that and that was like savvy right right sammy and and i mean the taping twigs is a great example that that's an unfortunately missed thing uh, youtube thing that kids love that you know he he he'd be watching and he would just guy sticks like how they were taped you know just just all the little things and you realize that in winning face-offs and doing these other things that you know he he was a he was a guy that looked like hey it's all fun but no he was a deep dive guy as a student and that and that's why Eddie O is an excellent hockey guy he was a coach and of course now is a preeminent analyst and same with
3: Savvy. It was remarkable watching the games in the boardroom with him and the stuff that he would spot. order you nailed it with the tapes of the stick, with the weak side guys on the power play, where the play was going to be going to, the passes, the little things that he would notice before either of us would notice or the broadcast would notice. He really, really, really has a deep understanding of hockey, and it's easy to see why he's the head coach of a, of a junior team. It'd be great to have Savvy as your head coach and junior because not only is he a beauty, but he was obviously a really great NHLer, so he has that sort. Sort of name recognition, that guys are going to respect him for his skill level. Yeah, uh, Savvy, beauty. So there you go.
2: And Brent, Brent, best nickname, Savvy, e's, Igor Oza-get-off. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> they had e, Igor Ozogadov on the Leaf team. <laughs> he, he had a couple of tough games, and Savvy called him Igor Ozagetoff and then he basically <laughs> got off the team. You know, whatever.
0: He, oh, he, he, did, oh. he
2: didn't, uh, he, he, was, he, was, he was not going to sugarcoat things. No,
0: he he definitely didn't. I, uh, I, I remember that as well. And lastly, the thing I'll say lastly about Savvy is great guy, would love to work for him with him. But it's tough to be part of the equipment staff in Windsor when you have a guy who has a YouTube channel uh, taping hockey <laughs> High, high bar uh, to meet there. Uh, somebody who has a high bar to meet after Mark Savard's wonderful appearance is Shane O'Brien. But I guarantee you, he's going to meet it. Uh, we'll talk to him at the Miss and Curfew pod. Get his thoughts on the World Cup, the NHL at the pause, all that and more. We continue on Leafs Nation here on Sportsnet. Five night of the fan. Leafs Nation here, Brent Cutting Stellick, alongside me as we trek towards the holiday season. We're endeavoring to connect with uh, Shane O'Brien, and uh, we'll probably touch base with him in a minute or two here. But obviously, Gord, the, the big story today and the kind of world of hockey is the hockey we won't be seeing at the Olympics. You know, I, I do think there has been such a groundswell. It doesn't seem like if there will be a World Cup of Hockey, it, it feels like when. It just seems like the appetite is so clearly there for it from the players, From the fans, the the league kind of seems to be on board as well. I just don't see a world where we don't get one of these rolling within the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, and we kicked off the show talking about that, that it's like a lot of things in life when you've had a disappointment, start thinking about something constructive and uh, uh, something you can control. And, I mean, I'm putting – I don't mean to be putting COVID aside. Nobody puts COVID aside because that's something nobody controls. But about, you know, every four years – you have that equivalent. Uh, well, can't yet be equivalent to the World Cup of soccer, but you look at the comparable. That that's that's the biggest event in soccer, bigger than the Olympics. And you know that's something that you could aspire to do in the NHL because it got the jump before there was participation of NHL players in the Olympics with the Canada Cup starting in 1976, and then some unsuccessful ones like '81, big success in '87, '91 uh, was another one that was a positive. '96 they called it the World Cup, and it was was a, a big win for Team USA, that's 20 years of, of, a, of some significant quality international competition, and, and it can be easily replicated. And, uh, yeah, I just think that's I – know, I know it's not an original idea. That's something they're thinking about already. But I think this even more gives it a chance to, okay, let, let's get that in
0: place. Well, I, I, I've seen from a lot of people going, well, I don't care about the World Cup. I care about the Olympics. And I keep reminding you that heading into 1998, nobody did. They like, it was an interesting thing. It was a tournament that was on the radar, but that wasn't the home of best to best. And it, it took about 10 years for the Olympics to, to really kind of take hold, take hold of becoming the only place where best on best hockey was. And I firmly believe you got the world cup going, That yeah, it's 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 not going to take that long. The first World Cup of hockey is not going to feel like everything you would hope. It's not going to feel like '86 or it's not going to feel like '96. But the second one will. The third one most definitely will. Like it takes no time to get these these things rolling. You know, obvious. Oh, we uh, we have Shane O'Brien right now. Speaking of getting things rolling, let's get it going with him. Always love talking to our good buddy Obi. Obi, how you doing? Good boys, how we doing? Doing well, doing well. You know, i to love to, you know, ask a little personal question here to get things started. I saw you snuck up to the Great White North. What's it like to be back in our our beautiful country, Shane? I saw that on uh, your Instagram, I believe. I feel like you've, you know, we were talking to you early on in the pandemic. I believe I was joking with you about becoming the Leaf stick boy to get into the bubble and get back (laughs) into the country. Uh, Have you been able to enjoy some time uh, with your family up here in the Great White North?
4: Yeah, yeah, I know it's been great. So I have two nephews, uh, Porter and Smith, who are four and one. So I've been on Uncle Duty uh, making up for lost time. So I've had my hands full. Uh, I'm learning on the job, but uh, it's always great to go around Christmas time and uh, spend some time with my family.
2: Boy, we're to- doing some World Cup talk. You know, in 2016, Aki Berg was the equipment manager for the Team Finland, if you could believe it, uh, the former <laughs> the former Leaf. Talk about obscure fun facts. But where are just saying, Shane, about... Okay, the not the Olympic participation. You're you're welcome to comment about it. I don't know. There's a there's a lot. We we certainly understand why it's not going to happen, and we're and we're just talking Brent and I about the World Cup of Hockey. 2016 was a a great first step, and they've kind of been looking to go what direction to go with it. Uh, COVID, I think has obviously put a lot of things on the back burners, but uh, do you think now is the time? let's get something in place and let's say do it every four years, but not in September, do it sometime where you take a break in the, during the hockey season, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a real tournament that uh, that that you can control also from an, or from an NHL standpoint.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm all for the World Cups. And obviously, you know, the, the last one we had with the Team North America, you know, as much fun as they were to watch McKenna and Matthews and the boys fly around, I think I think what the NHL and the players have to realize or not realize, try to figure out, is to make, you know, the World Cup as important as the Canada Cup was back in the day, right? I remember growing up and watching the Canada Cup as a kid with Wayner and Mario, and um, they had those old school sick jerseys with the half maple leaf on them. Um, I I think if the players and the NHL and and whoever else, all the other countries involved can make it important um, to the players and to other countries, I think if it becomes regularly, it could be never the Olympics, but it could be something that fans get really passionate about.
0: Oh, you mentioned those jerseys. Please, let's bring those back. I, I love plenty of Hockey Canada jerseys over the year. O two 2 is special. The 2010 ones will stick out. But the half-leaf, it feels like it kind of flies a, a little under the radar, especially for guys of of kind of my vintage. So I'm so happy uh, to hear you bring that up. You know, let, let's just play kind of fantasy coach, fantasy GM what, one last time, since we're not going to get it, uh, you know, obviously tons of players were skating together all summer, trying to gain a little chemistry, figure out where you're going. This report came out that, that it was actually McDavid and Crosby working together, building up the chemistry. Let's just say hypothetically they were to play on the same line. And, and maybe your answer is, look, with two guys like that, it doesn't really matter. Who's going <laughs> to the wing? Who's your winger? Are you gonna tell? You gonna tell Connor McDavid he's not patrolling the middle anymore? Or are you gonna tell Sidney Crosby that he's got to uh, he's got to go uh, play left wing? Uh, what do you do there if if those yeah. two were to actually play together?
4: It's a great question, and, and it works with uh, you know games played in the, in the NHL. So we go games played, and then obviously. If Connor had a big problem with it, Sid could just go, hey, listen, I got cups and gold medals, kids. so get on that left side and start skating as fast as you can and keep your stick on the ice, I'll get you the fuck." So, um, as you boys know, in the NHL, it's all about league uh, games played, how many years you've been in the league. Um, so, I don't know, if Sid, Sid, though, would probably be like, listen, I can't keep up in the middle. Connor, you go play the middle, I'll just work the wing. But uh, who knows, it would have been fun to see.
2: Yeah, no, you know, I, but you know what, Shane, what Brent would do, he would have them both on the wing and put Michael Bunting in the middle. Michael you know Bunting that, huh? in the middle.
0: That's right, Scarborough's <laughs> son.
2: Yeah, right. This Bunting kid came
4: out of nowhere. Uh, all my Leafs buddies love this Bunting kid. They love him.
2: So just, you know, that's, you know, this year watching a Leaf team that got off, as we know, to a real, real bad start and then turned things around. And I'm looking at a chain and – um Look at it, Nick Ritchie trying to find a spot in the top two lines. He hasn't, so he's kind of, you know, forged a different role for now. But, man, oh, man, take in Cachet, Bunting, camp Like, it's the lesser knowns that really If my biggest, my biggest hope for optimism is the kind of depth they've brought that they have not had certainly in many, many years. Uh, absolutely,
4: and I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And um, I know Nick Richie. I played with him uh, his first year pro when he was in San Diego, and, and I was ended up uh, you know finishing out my career in North America. And, and listen, Richie's a big kid, and um, you know I used to talk to him about you know what's in the store. Listen, if, if when you're a big body like that, and things aren't going your way, people are immediately going to say, Hey, he's not in shape. You know, he's fat, he's slow, this and that. But uh, I'm telling you what, I, I thought he's handled the you know, adversity of, of not having a goal for so for however long it was, I started to feel for him, and he was squeezing the stick. But he did find a role, um, you know, he was on the fourth line for a bit. And um, but my, what I'm trying to say is, come playoff time, you know, Leafs fans and, and the guys in that team, trust me, they're gonna have love having Nick Ritchie come game one in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs
0: well yeah it wasn't it wasn't lost on me that you know they got to do a bit of a dust up with the jets the other day and uh, and it's it's Richie going over the boards he's going out there with with Simmons he's going out there with clifford it's it's not lost on me that there there's a role for that guy and I have to give him credit it's been it was a brutal start for him here he got a chance on the first line didn't work threw him on the second line didn't work he had a million looks I honestly never thought he was going to score again and you know local guy <laughs> pressure on him in that way he got you know not a Big ticket by any means, but a bigger ticket than he was maybe producing. And he's just found a way to kind of find a role. And I think that's such such an important thing. You know, when when kind of looking at the Atlantic as a whole, I, I think we all know who the top three teams are going to be in it. And it's so funny because they all kind of have like perfectly settled storylines already. The, the Bolts, they're going for the three Pete, the Leafs. Can they ever one day win around? And the Panthers are like the Leafs of, of four years ago. How do you look at the Atlantic and, and and how do you expect it to shake out?
4: Yeah, I mean, well, I I had Florida at the start of the year to to win the Atlantic, so I'm still pulling for them just because I got a few few dollars on it, fellas. So I'm still pulling for Florida, but um, honestly, and and I took some heat for this. I I guess it was helping me out probably three weeks ago when Tampa came into Toronto, and we all know there's no Kucherov and there's no point, and I think Tampa ended up beating them 4-2. And and in my opinion, um, you know, I thought Tampa just played with better structure and competed harder and did the little things um to win a hockey game on the road with a banged up team so listen don't get me wrong I love watching Leafs play they're high octane uh their back end's been unbelievable what Jake uh Jack Campbell's doing in between the pipes how can you not cheer for that guy um but that game still put a little doubt in my mind that we'll see come playoff time if this Leafs team can really do the little things to win games from that time of year
2: it's kind of weird in the Atlantic isn't it that uh Uh, I thought it'd be way more competitive. Really, it seems like a have, have not, especially with the plunging, plungings. an understatement, Montreal Canadiens. But do you you think the Detroit Red Wings can at least make it interesting? I know right now they are, and everyone keeps pointing to the games in hand that the Bruins have. Uh, I just think, you know, uh, it'll be a a positive season for the Red Wings, some kind of progress that they have so far. But do you actually think they could contend for a playoff spot uh, uh, after Mm -hmm. game number 82? Yeah, I think you know what I'm I'm starting to believe a little bit. Um, you know,
4: obviously with Lucas Raymond. Um, you know, I said this about a kid that, you know, comes from the Swedish elite league. He has such an advantage, you know, playing in a league like that that's yeah, it's not the NHL, but I mean there's guys over there that are, are, are super good pros. It's it's competitive. Um, so I think he had an advantage there and, and I think they're they're well coached and um I, I don't think they're gonna have enough have enough to get into the playoffs this year, but Whatever happens to them, I think they're going to be playing meaningful games down the stretch. And if you could ask any current player or ex-player, uh, even if you miss the playoffs, playing meaningful games down the stretch, especially with young teams, gives you lots of confidence. And when it comes to the Boston Bruins, I just think David Krejci, when you, when you take a guy in your lineup, a second-line center like that, that can make plays, to play on your power plays, decent in the face-off circle, I think that's really hurting Boston.
0: Man, I'm so happy to hear you bring that up about Krejci because... I, you know, and and again, rightfully so. Like the the talk about losing Nazim Kadri who's the third-line center on this Leafs team, has been going on, well, ever since he was traded. And it's been, you know, people pointing to it as a reason why this team has been unable to kind of get over the hump. And Boston loses their 2C, and they never really replaced him. And I think people just kind of expected the machine, the magic, whatever it is in Boston. And it's like, no, 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 that guy was a core piece for, for so much of what they did. Well, basically, for the entirety of the run, like, we all think about Bergeron, and we think about Pasternak and Marchand, of course. And it's like after that, he's kind of right there uh, with it. You know, I, I did want to talk to you about a team you're pretty familiar with. You've you played for them, and obviously you're out there nearby them. Well, not now, but usually. And, and that's the Ducks. I mean, obviously, zegris is getting a ton of, of ton of shine, rightfully so. He's got the Dishigan assist. You know, this was a guy who had a ton of spotlight coming on him in the league. But it's actually the old man who's kind of surprised me. Uh, your buddy gets laugh, turn him back the clock, uh, assist machine. Uh, w- what do you make of the Ducks and, you know it's kind of a funny thing when you have that kind of melding of an older core and then some young kids give it some new life uh what are you made of the ducks and then i guess your your thought on the pacific division kind of as a whole
4: yeah i guess you i guess you turn the clock back i said what what's next is your hair going to start growing back you look like you're playing 15 <laughs> years younger there buddy next thing you know you have those frosted, frosted tips, tips back and they will be going. so um you know what? First and foremost, I'm going to give Dallas Akins a ton of credit. I, I played for Dally, uh once again in San Diego near the end of my career. When um, you know, I kind of love my, I kind of lost the love of the game. You know, I had to go back down the minors. I, I went through some stuff in Calgary, and uh, the way he communicated with me as a veteran, and communicated to his young kids, and the type of human being he is, I knew he would have success. Um, for them to stay in the hunt, and I'm, I'm really starting to believe is, is obviously John Gibson. Um, his health, uh, he was just banged up again. He's always been kind of injury prone, um, and then their back end. Um, you know, Fowler's been unbelievable. Shat and kirk's impressed me. Lindholm, Manson, um, obviously Drysdale, a young kid. But if if they get banged up on the back end, sellers, then they could be in trouble. But if they stay healthy and their and the defense is in the lineup, I think they could get in the dance.
2: Shane, you know, you mentioned Calgary. You had Eric Francis on yesterday. You just said, hey, uh, I know they've cooled off a little bit of late, but uh, all the all that's happened success-wise and being one of the pleasant surprises is Daryl Sutter. And, you know, you coaches, it did, from the outside, the old-school coach, and <clears throat> he did it in Los Angeles. And, and what is it he does? Because you think that there's a disconnect with the players. You, you would have thought that last year at times, but obviously – there's something he knows. He's got the secret herbs and recipes like Colonel Sanders had for Kentucky Fried
1: Chicken.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, Goro, it's a great point. And you said the word disconnect last year, and, and I think you're right. I think what they did this year was, you know, they brought in a, a good buddy of mine, Brad Richardson and Trevor Lewis, and honestly, we have, they had Luchich there. Um, I, I think guys like that are not only great in the dressing room, because I, I know them as, as guys, they're, they're unbelievable. They're winners. They've all won Cups. But they can help relay the message from Daryl to the rest of the guys. So I think that's been a big thing. Um, I've talked to guys like Maddie Chuck, you got a great dressing room there. Markstrom's absolutely kicking. And, and listen, in my opinion, they play the game the right way. They play it straight lines. They play it fast. Uh, I love that fourth line. I call them the pension line. They compete. They finish their checks. And they're hard to play against. And honestly, they're one of my favorite teams to watch right now.
0: Yeah, what what's uh what's not to like there? Uh, last one before we, we let you go, uh, you know, another team in that division that you know oh so well, the Canucks. Uh weird basically calendar year for them. You know, they got hit arguably the hardest by COVID last year. This year, weird start to the season, a complete house cleaning. Patterson not looking like he the guy he's been in the past. You know, what do you what do you do with a team like the Canucks where man, there's some great pieces on there, but there's also a ton of work to do. Oh yeah, and you don't have a, a GM. I know Rutherford they're kind of calling the shots. But, I mean, let's, let's pretend for a day, you know, you go in ahead of this. It's not the Sedins who got the job. It's Shane O'Brien who's the Canucks GM. <laughs> what, do you, what are you doing to, with that team right now?
4: Well, that would take a lot of pressure off the players because there would be an uproar in the media about me being GM. <laughs> so that would, that would cut the players about you know, at least a couple months slack where I'd have to answer the questions, how'd you get the job, O'Brien? But, um, you know, for me, boys, this one hits home a little bit. I, I love Travis Green. Uh, I was lucky enough to play with Greener my first year in the NHL in Anaheim. And um, he had me at his house for Christmas and had me over for dinner at times. And we've been fr- friends ever since. So I was really pulling for him. Travis Green went in there in the last three or four years. Uh, when he took over, it wasn't pretty. And, and he changed the culture, changed the character, and they played hard for him. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, this year it just it, it went really bad and, and obviously got fired. For, for me, you talk about Pedersen and, you know, players hate training camp, especially veteran guys. But when you miss training camp – as much as you hate it as a player, you realize how important it is because, you know, it's hard to play catch up when these guys have been in training camp for a month, month and a half. They're flying. They're, they're in game shape. They're ready to rock. So for him, I think that was the problem. Um, but look at now. I mean, hey, give Bruce Brugel credit, man. He's come in. He's been fun loving Bruce. Um, this little COVID break kind of hurt them more than anyone, in my opinion, because they were rolling. But um, they're almost back to 500. and we'll see what they, We'll see what they can do.
0: Yeah, let's uh let's see what happens there. Uh Obi, thanks so much for joining us today and uh Merry Christmas, Bud. Enjoy the season.
4: Always a pleasure, boys. Merry Christmas.
0: There he goes uh Shane O'Brien Miss and Curfew podcast. Uh great great work uh d- done by there. You know, Gord, you you asked about Detroit and that's that's kind of a funny thing that I that's kind of a funny thing I'm watching for is the race in the Atlantic Division for who's going to get good quickest of those kind of bottom four teams you know it it feels to me like the Bruins are are kind of in a pretty clear decline and hey who can blame them they had a ton of run of success but that's an aging roster and it does seem to me like it's kind of a race between the Red Wings the Sabres and Senators in terms of who can kind of join that that playoff push not not this season but over the next couple of years
2: yeah it's interesting to Rask practicing not anywhere in the organization now, but practicing with some of the Bruin players on, on his own or not even on his own with the team, I guess. it's so he was kind of an e-bug, uh, there, but, uh, yeah, you know, you wonder do they have one more kick at it or not? It's a, it's a funny term, Brent. That uh, there's a compliment of being a veteran team, which is a huge compliment, and that all of a sudden the next year you can become an old team, which is a negative. And it's just like one year. It's like you go, what the hell happened? Like you know, these guys were you know like these guys were thirty somethings, and the experience was working in our favor. Then all of a sudden, um, it's it's like overnight you become an old team. And uh, in Boston's case, they still seem to be defying that i mean they've got the charlie McAvoys of the world and some young guys coming up boy the jake DeBrus thing's a real head scratcher cuz that that should be that kind of guy right that you know would be would be where sort of blossoming right now but but not the case so um i i still we've had our hearts broken too often by boston and that same dastardly gang uh, that you feel like don't i don't know there's something there they're able to pull it out but right look in the big picture um you'd have to see them Struggling to be the the best in the Atlantic Division compared to Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Florida.
0: Oh, it's it, the, the Boston Bruins, and I'm not even like a big horror movie guy, but they are the monster in the horror movie. They could be their their head could be falling off the side of their neck. They could have one arm. They have no legs and i'm still convinced they are going to murder me and my hopes at the leafs winning around like there is just there until they are gone until they are eliminated until patrice bergeron is the gm of whatever franchise the nhl one day puts in quebec city until all of that happens i'm not going to write off the boston bruins cuz it's not lost on me you know you're looking at the standings they're a little behind they're even behind detroit in terms of points right now but they have games in hand on all these teams and i'm never ever ever ruling out a team like Boston go, going on a run. M- McKee, I know you want in on this, McKee. I know you do. I'll write him off. I'll be that guy. You will. T- I'll write him off. I'm doing it right now. Uh, tukara- that's
3: you know, Tukarask isn't your father's Tukarask. That top line's great. They don't have nearly the same depth that they've had in years past. David Krejci was a death blow to them not having him. I think the back end, other than Charlie McAvoy, leaves a ton to be desired. Things happen in the NHL. You know, window's closed and their window is firmly shut. They're not even going to make the playoffs. How's that for a take, fellas? Bang. What you're saying, Detroit's in? No, uh, no. But somebody else will get in from the uh, from the Metro.
2: Oh, okay. So five and three. Okay, I got gotcha, you. Yeah. Got gotcha you that way. Yeah. It's uh, well, um, you, and and I guess to the point. Uh, it, Two years is a long time, and it's not the last two playoffs that Boston was the one, the villains that eliminated the Leafs. It was, of course, Columbus and Montreal, so you forget that was a long period of time. But it is weird, and, and I don't... I... Again, looking at your ages, but just I do think you you remember about when when the Leafs had the Ottawa Senators number in the playoffs. Remember that? Oh. Like mm. Ottawa was a team that really should have won a Stanley Cup. That great, those great Ottawa Senator teams, and every year, man, in the first or second round, the Leafs just just crushed them, crushed them. Uh, and once was four games straight, but I mean other times it went to seven games, and that's kind of like I view Boston doing that to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but then. To Sam's point, you got to take a breath and go, no, it's, uh, that's two years out, and, and that's a lot of years age-wise.
3: Yeah, and one of my great fears with this era of the Toronto Maple Leafs is that they're the Ottawa Senators of that era. Uh, that, that thought crosses my mind from time to time Where it's a team that has all this amazing talent Great regular seasons Had tons of chances to to go far in the playoffs And it happened They got to the final Lost to one of the better teams of all time That Ducks team was just an unbelievable hockey team And uh, I think they lost in five games Daniel Alverton's slap shot at Niedermeyer I think it was in that series But yeah That, that thought does creep into my mind from time to time in my you know When I let my mind go a little darker
0: oh the really really scary part of that comparison is if i squint i can even see the crusty the clown alfredson hair on austin matthews just to make the (laughs) comparison oh so perfect like that's the that's a place for them oh my goodness oh it is happening you've talked me into this i mean uh, it's oh man Gord, you bringing up those those senators series that is that is the warm blankie of my hockey life that's as good as it's gotten honestly Crazy Eyes Tucker going into the bench, Roberts leading the team when Sundine was hurt, mm-hmm. just that that era of kind of Leafs hockey and everything it was and beating the Sens in the playoffs all those times. That is that's as good as it's gotten <laughs> from for me uh quite quite frankly. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who feel that way and man, McKee, please don't ever say that again because I don't think anybody wants to uh, and like you said, hey, we'd all take a a run to the Cup final right now, but we, we hope will. uh we hope, I hope it's not uh, just that. Uh, so I guess, I guess one little thing. You know, Gordon and I back tomorrow. Sam McKee, you're, you're off on, on holiday vacay here. Uh, yeah. You know, the next time the Leafs are supposed to play a game uh, is Monday. Let's get you to put on your, your prognosticator cap here for half a second. Will the Leafs be playing that game in Columbus on Monday? What do, what do you think, Sam McKee? And then we'll get your take, Gord. Yes. I'm going to be Mr. Optimus here. I'm just about to go on a week-long
3: vacation. I'm feeling optimistic. (laughs) They play that game. Gordo?
2: 100%. 14 yeah. games are scheduled, so 28 of the 32 teams play. Uh, the one, as we mentioned, caveat they've asked from the players to have this longer pause at Christmas is to come back on the 26th rather than the 27th uh, to practice, but more importantly, to get the COVID test, testing done then. So it's known on the 27th what gives rather than 11th hour uh, uh, roster moves that way or lineup changes. And uh, I, I just think, in, and I, I, I quote Adam Silver of the NBA, just that, hey, um, this is going to be around. So we've got to learn to deal with it and move forward. And I think the NHL uh, is in that mindset. And all teams, uh, if they didn't know or weren't prepared two weeks ago, need to be prepared now.
0: Yeah, I uh... I'm going to keep the optimism going and much as much as I can and say, I hope you guys are right. I really, really do. Cause I would love nothing more than to be watching a Leafs game uh, on Monday. Uh, man, it's been uh, it's been a week here wrapping up with no, with no Olympics. And yeah, it's only Wednesday. That's exactly how much of a week it's been. Gord. I've loved throwing around these kind of world cup scenarios uh, with you. One thing I am going to do and our, our producer, Sam McKee, he gave me the idea. So, you know, greatness, uh, borrows geniuses, steel. I think that's the saying there. I'm stealing the idea from him. I am going to have my list of who would be on the under 23 team, and I'll tell you right now. I don't care how old he is. I'm pretty sure he's young enough. Michael Bunting is the captain of that team. So that's your <laughs> little preview for tomorrow's show. I'll be giving you who would be on the uh, the under 23 team tomorrow uh, when we uh, when we endeavor to talk hockey uh, with with no hockey being played because we got the uh, we got the Lightning and Golden Knights last night, but uh, we're not getting anything until uh, until at least Monday.
2: Okay, so you're saying Michael Bunty, so you want people to listen or not to listen with that kind of hook?
0: (laughs) Well, people in Scarborough will listen. I don't know about elsewhere. I think I think that's a carrot to get people to listen. But uh, yeah, good uh, good point by you. Oh man, I uh, I'm just itching to get the game back. We've we've only been without it for what seemingly a day here now, and I am already already itching 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 uh, to get it back. I think I think it'll be a good time tomorrow to just kind of reset where we're at in the league, kind of settle in on on some of these teams that that we've we've been a little surprised by, and just kind of reset the league because unfortunately, whether we like it or not it's kind of worked out well that this is a good kind of quarter mark halfway mark of the season where we can really kind of assess where where everybody's at
2: uh i'm all for that a little bit of christmas fun christmas i know it'll be two days before christmas but a little bit of fun that way as way get in that christmas spirit since the nhl has done that
0: Yep, and that's exactly what we'll be doing. A little more World Junior preview as well. Producer Sam McKee's on vacation. Gordon and I are back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to Leafs Nation on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.